Welcome. I'm pleased to worship at a church with people of many different nationalities. And so many of them, after the services, are pleased to tell me about the countries where they were born. There are so many beautiful and wonderful countries in the world. And uh, you who are listening to this podcast around the world, I'd like to welcome you to this talk from my home here in England. My name is Keith Simons. I'm a Bible teacher and I present talks on how to understand the book of Psalms using the King James Bible. We look at each psalm word by word and verse by verse and today we're looking at Psalm 87. Psalm 87. Its ancient heading is a psalm or song for the sons of Korah. The sons of Korah were leaders of the worship in God's house, the temple in Jerusalem. Korah himself was a man who died because of his rebellion against God. He wanted to be a priest and God had not chosen him to belong to the family of the priests, the family of Aaron. And so Korah rebelled against God, but his sons did not rebel against God, and his sons were not punished when Korah died for his sins. And in later generations, as I say, they became the leaders of the worship in God's house, the temple, and this psalm or song was written for their use in that worship. And it's a song that is very much about the temple and the importance of the temple and God's choice of that place. He chose it to be the only place in Israel where Israel's people could offer their sacrifices to him. He appointed it to be the place where Israel's people went on pilgrimage three times a year to worship him there at the temple in Jerusalem. It was a place where God was especially present in a special way among his people, Israel. And so verse 1 declares, Psalm 87, verse 1, his foundation is in the holy mountains. His foundation, what God has founded, what God has established. God has established this place of worship for Israel Indeed, a house of prayer for all nations. And he established it in the holy mountains. In the holy mountains, the mountains in the holy land. Israel is God's holy land. The word holy means that it's separated. It's set apart for him. Just as God chose one day a week, the Sabbath day, to be his holy day, which people should set aside for rest and for worship. He chose that one day, but the whole week belongs to him. So he chose a holy land, a country, Israel, and its people to be his own special people, because the whole world belongs to him. And there, in Israel's holy land, God established his foundation, 
his temple, this place where people could seek him and pray to him and offer sacrifices to him. In the holy mountains. Jerusalem is is up there in the hills. There are uh, a number of of the major hills which are together, and Jerusalem is actually on a hilltop. But you notice I'm using the word hill now and not mountains. At the time the King James Bible was translated, uh, a hill in England would be called a mountain. We've got more modest in our terminology uh, now that people are travelling so widely. Now that people have seen the Alps and seen the immensity of the Himalayas, England's mountains don't look so tall anymore. And more of them, more and more of them, we've become accustomed to call hills. Um, in Israel, there is one prominent mountain, Mount Hermon, that's in the northeast of Israel on the border with Syria. Um, that is huge. Uh, but the remaining mountains in Israel, well, maybe you'd prefer to call them hills. But the psalm calls them the holy mountains. And Jerusalem, in the hill country of Judea, actually on the border between the land given to Judah's tribe and to Benjamin's tribe, that that is the place that God chose and God chose it, and he loved that place. It was a place which David selected to be the capital of all Israel, Jerusalem. But more than that, it's a place God selected to be this special place of worship. Verse 2. The Lord loveth the gates of Zion more than all the dwellings of Jacob. Jacob is a man from whose family Israel's people came. Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and uh, all the dwellings of Jacob, all the towns and villages of Jacob. God loves all those towns and villages and homes in Israel. But how much more does he love the gates of Zion, the place he chose as his special dwelling place, the holy temple? Zion is the name of one of the hills actually inside the walls of Jerusalem. And it becomes, in the book of Psalms, a word especially to refer to the place where the temple was. Um, but by the reference to Zion, it's saying the place God selected. The Lord loveth the gates of Zion. Why does it say the gates? Well, I've read a few books in preparation for this talk and they all seem to have different opinions. Um, for some, it was the idea of this is where people enter God's holy temple. They enter through the gates. There was a great wall around the temple built like a, a fortress, like a castle. And so the only way in was through the gates. This was a way that God had appointed for Israel's people in fact, for people from many different nations, from all the nations, if they wanted to serve God, they had to go up to those gates, into the temple, into the outer courts of the temple. God loves those gates. God loves it when his people come together 
to worship him in the way he's appointed, in the place that he has chosen. But there are other ideas, as I say in the books. Uh, one of them is that the gates of an ancient city were the place where the judges met. So maybe the rulers of the temple, those who were in charge of the worship of God amongst Israel's people, that was the place where they would meet in the temple gates. So maybe it's saying God loves the the decisions that the people make, their leaders when they're choosing and studying how to serve God and how to obey God and how to please God. Or maybe it says the Lord loves the gates of Zion as a way of saying God loves his people. He cares about them. He cares about them so much and in every way. But probably, I should think, it's saying the gates of Zion as a way of describing the temple. It's saying God loves this holy place amongst his people. He loves the place of prayer where people are bringing the worship of God to him, where they're offering to him in accordance with his instructions, their sacrifices of praise and of worship. God loves their worship. And although their worship at home is a good thing, although all God's people should worship at home. How much more should they gather together to worship him together? Verse 3. Glorious things are spoken of thee, O city of God. Ah, oh, now we're into, we're into prophecy. What has God said about Jerusalem? Jerusalem, the place that he has chosen the new Jerusalem will be the home of all God's people. And Jerusalem is to be a praise in all the earth and a blessing to all the earth. Remember how God said to Abraham, I will bless those who bless you. Glorious things, wonderful things. The Bible speaks of Jerusalem. And notice the name for Jerusalem here. O city of God. The whole city is God's city, just as the mountains are God's holy mountains, and the land is God's holy land, the city of God. This is spoken to Jerusalem. Glorious things are spoken of thee, are spoken of you, we would say today. Glorious things are spoken of you, O Jerusalem. So we're actually speaking these words to Jerusalem. That becomes important a little later on in the psalm. We're telling Jerusalem, the city itself, and maybe the people who belong to it, God has prophesied wonderful and amazing things about that place. And after that, we see the word selah, which perhaps means a pause in the music. And as we think of the glorious things that God has said about Jerusalem, well, might we pause and think of his prophecies and his promises about his city. And then we continue with another thought, another thought entirely. The author of the psalm writes, I will make mention of Rahab and Babylon to them that know me. Behold, Philistia 
and Tyre with Ethiopia. This man was born there. What's happening here? Well, the author of our psalm says that he's going to mention a couple of places, mention Rahab and Babylon. We've spoken about the greatness of Israel and of Jerusalem, but there are other great places in the earth. Why, there's Rahab. That's a poetic name for Egypt. It really means the proud. It's it's a warning about Egypt's pride. And then Babylon, the great empire. Egypt was, in a sense, the greatest country in the world in the past at the time of the writing of the psalm. It was the country where, of course, famously Israel's people were slaves. But it was a powerful, powerful country for centuries and centuries and centuries. Rahab, or Egypt. And Babylon? Well, as far as we can tell, Babylon's power was future at the time of this psalm. Uh, Yes, Babylon did have some importance at the times of the kings of Israel, but it's only in the later days when it achieved real power under King Nebuchadnezzar. And that power was actually short-lived. Babylon uh, would soon afterwards be destroyed, as is recorded in the book of Daniel. So Babylon, this great city, this first great world empire, which depended so much on the power of Nebuchadnezzar, the great king, I will make mention the great past power of Egypt, of the great future power of Babylon, of the long, long period of rule that Egypt or Rahab had, of the short period of incredible power that Babylon had. Yes, these were truly great places, and no wonder I make mention of them to them that know me, to my friends. No wonder I tell them about the greatness of these distant places. And my friends, when I tell them about these places, when I speak of the seven wonders of the ancient world, the pyramids in Egypt, when I speak about the hanging gardens of Babylon, still famous to this day as as great places. When I tell my friends about that, they have an answer to me. They say, look, you don't need to go as far afield as Egypt and Babylon. Look, Philistia, which has a border with Israel, which is just on the southwest side of Israel. Is there no greatness there? Or, Or Tyre, just north of Philistia? Or if you're going to talk about distant places, Ethiopia, The Hebrew is Cush, and it refers to the country south of Egypt, which at times conquered Egypt by its power. Do not Philistia and Tyre and Ethiopia have great men come from them? Has has there never been someone great and extraordinary who's come from Philistia or Tyre or Ethiopia? Yes, of course there has. These countries have had They're wise men, they're great men, they're great rulers, they're powerful soldiers. These countries have been great. This man was born there. In other words, a truly great man was born in Philistia, and a truly great man was born in Tyre, and a truly great man was born 
in Ethiopia? So you need not mention Babylon and Egypt or Rahab. All these countries have greatness because God has spread out greatness amongst the countries of this world. Ah, but their greatness is worldly greatness. We talk about conquerors and kings and army leaders and wise advisers, worldly greatness. Of Zion, we know many, many people by name who belong to Zion. We know David and Solomon and Isaiah and Jeremiah and Daniel and so many others who belong to Israel, but they're not famous for their worldly greatness. No, they're famous because of their relationship with God. And what makes Israel special? What makes Zion special? It is its relationship with God. And of Zion, verse 5, it shall be said, This and that man was born in her, and the highest himself shall establish her. Of Zion, of Jerusalem, it shall be said, this and that man. In the Hebrew, that is man and man. Man after man has been born there. Not ordinary men, but outstanding men. It's as if everyone who comes from Zion, everyone who belongs to that holy city, is a great person. They are all great because they are all the children of God. They are all serving God. They are all doing the things that please God. That's why the highest himself, God himself, shall establish her, shall establish Zion. God himself is the one who is working to make Zion, Israel, God's people strong. Not strong necessarily in their worldly strength, in their money or in their power in worldly terms, but strong because of their strong relationship with God, strong because God knows them as his people. Verse 6. The Lord shall count when he writeth up the people that this man was born there. When God writeth up the people, ancient cities kept a written record of the people who were citizens of that city. God counts them in. He makes sure that everyone included in his list is there. And he records, as he records his list, that this man was born there. He records Israel's people who are loyal to him, who are truly his people. And in this, can we not look further afield to the nations, to those people in the nations who know Israel's God, those people in the nations who are loyal to the true God? Oh, maybe they were not born by birth in Zion, but maybe they were reborn they certainly were reborn because Jesus said that you have to be born again, born anew, born from above. John chapter 3, to enter the kingdom of heaven. And so every citizen of heaven is in God's record. Every citizen of heaven, even if they 
They were not born physically in Jerusalem. They are reborn with their place among the people of God. And so this psalm becomes a psalm not just for Israel's people, but for people in all the world as they rejoice in their adoption by God as the children of God. If it's great to be born physically in Jerusalem, if it's great to be born physically as one of God's people, then how wonderful it is and what a blessing it is for those who are not part of God's people to be born again into his family. And with that thought, the author of our psalm adds a second seller, a pause. Verse 7. As well the singers as the players on instruments shall be there. That's only two words, in fact, in the Hebrew. It's saying there's the singers and the players on instruments. Uh, what instruments? Well, the Hebrew word means the kind of instrument where you bore a hole into wood, and so therefore flutes. So we've got singers and flute players there and praising God there. And they've got a song, and the song is the end of the verse, All my springs are in thee. My springs, well, sources of water, sources of refreshment in thee. Who is thee? When we see that word, it means, of course, you, and we think immediately, maybe it means God. It doesn't do here. Here, it's referring back to verse 3. Glorious things are spoken of thee, O city of God. So thee here means Jerusalem. The singer's song and the music of these flute players is all my springs are in Jerusalem. It's Jerusalem that refreshes me. It's Jerusalem that gives me strength. It's Jerusalem that my relationship with God is based on. Isaiah says, with joy you should draw water from the wells of salvation. Salvation, right relationship with God. God rescues his people. He saves them. He brings them to a place of safety, which of course in the end means to the new Jerusalem. So they sing, all my springs are in thee. The source of everything that I need, the, the source that renews my life, is in Jerusalem. Of course it is. It's in their relationship with God. The God who caused them to be born or born again into his family, into his nation, into his city. In a moment, I'm going to read you the whole of our psalm for today, Psalm 87. But first, my email address. It's 333kjv at gmail.com. That's 333kjv at gmail.com. And now let me read you the whole of Psalm 87. A psalm or song for the sons of Korah. His foundation is in the holy mountains. 
The Lord loveth the gates of Zion more than all the dwellings of Jacob. Glorious things are spoken of thee, O city of God. Selah. I will make mention of Rahab and Babylon to them that know me. Behold, Philistia and Tyre with Ethiopia, this man was born there. And of Sion it shall be said, This and that man was born in her, and the highest himself shall establish her. The Lord shall count when he writeth up the people that this man was born there. Selah. As well the singers as the players on instruments shall be there. All my springs are in thee.